Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to Newcastle Fans TV. It is a Greenwood and Mulder show and it was live. It was amazing. It was great. And we've just finished actually recording this episode of the Greenwood and Mulder show. And it is with a WSL goalkeeper from the northeast of England, which of course Rachel Laws is. She plays for Liverpool women. She has been for, well, on and off. She played for Liverpool in 2013, but since 2020 she's been at Liverpool now. Gained promotion to the WSL last season and now playing against the big girls. I was going to say, I was going to say the big boys there. But... The, big, the big girls? The big girls. <laughs> the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea and Arsenal in particular, of course, who have done very, very well in recent years and Rachel's rise to the top in terms of being a WS keep a WSL keeper, I should say, has been fantastic. Really, really has. And you know, she, she did play for the dark side. I'm not even mentioning that team beginning with S, but she's done incredibly well with the dark side, Samuel. But she's doing exceptionally well. She's a fantastic goalkeeper. And look, one day, maybe one day she might be able to play for Newcastle if Newcastle can maybe do a little bit better. But they're on the right yeah. track, of course they are. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what I love about women's football and women's sport. When you speak to them, you're speaking to an actual person who, you know, heart on their sleeve, honest, not media trained, rolled out, same old answers over and over. You're speaking to a proper person. And and Rachel is fantastically honest, proper heart on her, on her sleeve. Um, huge, huge, huge Newcastle fan, and um, you'll listen to this, and you'll absolutely love and adore it because um, we've just had the best time um, for the. We had a great hour with the chatting on and off camera. Um, huge Newcastle fan, and yeah, really, really enjoyed the company. Yes, I, I can only echo Sam sentiments. Really did enjoy her company. This evening as we record, and I know you might be listening to this in the morning or the afternoon uh, on the podcast, but it was absolutely fantastic. It really, really was. She's Newcastle daft. I mean, that's a that's a phrase you hear, some, a phrase you hear sometimes. You're Newcastle daft, and she certainly is. And we, we have a discussion about the goalkeeping situation in terms of Nick Pope, and it was a really, really interesting discussion, so I can't wait for you to listen to, to that uh, particular conversation. But spirits are high, Sam. Spirits are very, very high. We're recording this podcast. On spirits the are nervous. Spirits are nervous. Obviously, you will be at St. Mary's. We play Southampton in the first leg tonight yeah. for this podcast as well. Oh, it's just... It's nervy, exciting. But we just want it over and done with a little bit, this don't is, we? Just want know, well, we just want to know what's going to happen. So you want it over and done with. These are the moments that you want to try and enjoy. It's good nerves, isn't it? Because we're not going into this nervous because we need to win to stay up. We're not relying on others to stay up or anything. It's, this is this is you know where we want to be. We want to be challenging for trophies and silverware. I'm 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 yes, I'm terrified. I'm nervous. I'm excited. But you need to try and enjoy these moments and. Yeah, it, 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 it's great. It's a semi-final. Huge, huge. And next week's show, we'll be going into the semi-final um, second leg, which is going to be even even more nervous, depending on how tonight goes. So, And this week's email is a fairly obvious one, but um, 
it's one that we've we've got to ask and cover, isn't it? So it's time for your emails. Da, 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 da. It's email time. You bet your boots it is. And our email this week is from Bob in Farnborough. Where's Farnborough? Farnborough? Correct. Lads, simple question. It's been asked a thousand times. Top four or cup? Easy. Yeah, I was actually asked this by Matty Renton by the Magpie Channel for outside St. James's on the Who are they? day of the following game. Yeah. And I, I said, it's, it's the easiest question you've ever asked me. I it's, thought we were the only Newcastle United outlet. Oh, yeah, we are. Green I'm joking. Sure. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a big G and M, just, just, yeah, just on my arm. You'll not be able to see it, obviously, because this is a podcast. So it's a big G and M. Sounds good. That's a great tattoo. Um, it's Carabao Cup for me. I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Any other year, and we didn't have this trophy drought of so many years. If, if it was a case that we say we won the Carabao Cup ten years ago, I think it would have been different. And I know some people will still say Champions League because of the players you can bring in, the fact that you could go to Real Madrid, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Bayern Munich, so the big, big teams of world football. But you can go to Alkmaar in the Europa League. Possibly, but I just think if we make the top four, Newcastle fans, if we make the top four, Newcastle fans won't cry. It was tears of joy. Newcastle United win the Carabao Cup. Oh, they'll, be, they'll be grown men in the 60s, 70s, 80s. We haven't seen Newcastle win in a long time. Arguably 50-year-old men haven't seen Newcastle United win a trophy, a meaningful trophy. There will be tears either at Wembley or in North Shields or in Newcastle or in Staffordshire. If there's Newcastle fans in Staffordshire, Samuel. Of course there is. Well, it's well. No, I, 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 I don't see any on a daily basis. Let's, let's, yeah. There's a few. We're fairly well represented, but we're in, yeah. It, it, but yeah, I'm going to be a wreck. And if we do get to Wembley, we will, of course, do a Wembley special podcast. Of course, we will, which will be mainly two grown men crying for an hour. Um, but yeah, it's we can't get ahead of ourselves because there's two games before we even get to Wembley. So. <laughs> Turned a corner as they a, absolutely as a, have, yeah. By the way, beating Everton and obviously getting through against Manchester City in the, the Carabao Cup and getting through against Crystal Palace, who Newcastle have just faced, of course, in the FA Cup. So, look, it's going to be a very, very tough game over two legs. But I think the difference on this one, Sam, Newcastle have the second leg at St James's Park. Can you imagine what it's going to be like next Tuesday at St James's Park? Yes, I can. And that will be for next week's podcast intro. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully we're talking about a positive result of St. Mary's and we're hopefully talking about even more of a positive result after St. James's Park on the 31st. But look, let's take it back to, to the podcast today. It is with Rachel Law, Sam, and Liverpool ninth in the WSL. Rachel's pretty much said, look, let's try and stay in the division. And she goes in great detail. And I'll, so I'll not spoil how different and how difficult the WSL is. But they have 
managed to pick up a couple of wins this season, just the two wins in, from the, from their ten games so far this season, as we record. Um, Chelsea being the first game of the season, which obviously she, she talked talk about, which she talks about the, the fact about the, 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 how vital clean sheets are in this level because they're very hard to come by. Yeah, and there's no better person to watch at the moment than Nick Pope for clean sheets. So yeah, but yeah, we t- we talk we go into about the WSL because it's a huge um, leap from the to the women's championship, and of course we talk about all things Newcastle as well. You'll love her. You absolutely love her. Let, let you know, just let let's get on with it because it's a cracking podcast. This and uh, yeah, you'll you'll listen and you'll love um, War Rachel. Great, great. Great show coming up. War Rage. I like that. I like that subtle touch. I like that. Yeah, let's get this podcast up and running. So this is the Greenwood Admiral Mulliner Show, and it is with Rachel Laws. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. And we are live, you lucky, lucky people. We are live this evening, and it's for a very, very good reason. Me and Sam are joined by Liverpool's shot stopper extraordinaire. Of course, we are joined by Rachel Laws. Rachel, welcome to the Green and Norman Show. Um, it's been an amazing couple of a couple of years, in particular for you at Liverpool. But you're a jolly at heart. You've got the accent and everything. So tell us a little bit about why Newcastle, because I think that's probably the, the best way to start any conversation. Why is um, Newcastle right for you? Well, first of all, I was born in the city itself, so that that's a good start. Um, and just my family, my family, my dad, my brother, my mum, being big, big Newcastle fans when I when I grew up, and I didn't have a choice, and you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And Newcastle's been my life since I was I was little, and you know, my dad took us to along to my first game with my brother, and uh, people say I bleed black and white, and that's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, just growing up, you know, through family and. I'm I'm very glad that uh, it was Newcastle and not the other side. Yeah, well, you played for the other side, but we'll uh, we'll come on to that a bit later on because I don't suppose you had any real choice at the time. It's not like it is now. Um, you, you're watching things from afar in in the northwest, playing for Liverpool, and the past twelve, well, just over twelve months now, have been absolutely crazy for 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 Newcastle United. What have you made of it all? The, the just the complete transition of the way things are now? Um, sometimes I still have to pinch myself, you know, from where we were, um, you know, just like you said, over a year ago. It's The transformation has been unbelievable at times where we are now in the league. I think I seen something on Twitter the other day and it was a comparison to kind of the halfway point of, of last season. And I think, well, we're obviously near the bottom and it was like now we're third with however many points. And you're like, eh, like, is, that, is that Newcastle? Like, is it real? Like, am I dreaming? But it's been... As a fan, the turmoil we've been through in recent years, it's refreshing and it's nice. And I actually enjoy watching Match of the Day now when Newcastle have been playing just because of the results. And me and my friend Fernie, we always used to say, if Newcastle get beat, I'm not watching it. And I don't think I watched it for about 10, 11 weeks in a row. Um, but it's refreshing. It's nice. It's, you know, it's in as a, you know, you know yourself, like as a Geordie, a fellow Geordies, it's it's just, I don't know. It's, it's excellent. I can't put it into words because it's, it's like, is that our club? Are we actually doing that well? Like, you've you've got to almost question it, but um, yeah, absolutely loving it, and long may it continue. You've mentioned about the new owners, and it's been obviously a whirlwind eighteen months or so since they've taken over. And you were just telling me, Sam, off air just before we started, 
but he bumped into Amanda. He met Amanda. Can you just tell us that story again to everybody? Yeah, it was um, when Newcastle played Liverpool at Anfield early on in the season. Um, and we were actually promoting our own game that was going to be played at Anfield against Everton a couple of weeks later. And we were on the pitch at half-time. We ended up being in one of the lounges. And about 10 minutes into the game, again, me and Fernie, a big Newcastle fan as well, looked at our right and we're seeing Murdad, Shira, Amanda. Like, yeah, I had like double take. I was like, is that them? And um, we said at the time our general manager was in there and we said, look, we need to get in there. Like, we'll we'll pay good money to get into that into that <laughs> suite and see them. Um, so after the game, we hadn't heard anything from Russ, our general manager, and um, we thought, oh, it's not happening. Like, it's obviously very hard to get kind of where they are in the stadium. And then Fernie's phone rings. Where are you? I says, oh, we've left Russ. We've gone. Um, you need to come back. I can get you in. I says, right, so... We dumped my bags with our friends and we absolutely legged it back to the stadium. And we still had our wristbands on, luckily, so we could still get kind of to where we were. Russ come and met us. We walked into the executive lounge and, and there's our Queen Amanda standing there. And, you know, she was... It wasn't a conversation as to where, you know, did you enjoy the game? It, she was actually bothered and intrigued about our life of football and how's football going. Obviously, she's put a lot of money and effort and time into Newcastle women, which is... You know, we thanked her for that and obviously thanked her for what she's doing for the men's side as well. But um, she said, anything you need, let us know. Um, there was another woman there at the time, Kelly Simmons, who's head of the women's football at the FA. And she said, Kelly, get them in touch with me, blah, blah, blah. And um, I've never actually took her up on that, but there's still time. Um, but she was honestly one of the most genuine, lovely women that I've, I've ever spoke to who was, you know, wasn't just there for the small talk. She was actually bothered about, you know, our life and our football and things like that, which was really, really nice. Oh, I love that. And, and and they have done wonders with the women's team as well, which again we'll come on to. But the, the big news kind of today, Rachel, is Chris Wood could be leaving us. I mean, he was one of our big money signings this time last year. He's done all right for us, I think it's fair to say. But is this just another sign of intent of like where Newcastle United are aiming for? I think so. And I think when we signed him, he was probably exactly what we needed. You know, he was he was used for exactly what we got him in for. And I think the way the team's going and the club's going. And I think, you know, someone like Chris Wood himself probably wants to go out and play. And I think if you look at the squad at the moment, he, he probably hasn't really got a place. So certainly not in the starting eleven. you know, with, you know, Isaac coming back from injury as well. Uh, Callum Wilson's obviously a starter as well. So, you know, I think it might be the right time for Chris Wood to move on. Like I said before, it was, we got him in probably for the right reasons and we utilised him for, for exactly what he offers. Um, but yeah, I think it does symbolise the way we're going as a club and, you know, we're, we're not holding on to people that a couple of years ago we might have kept just as squad players, you know, to have in the background. But um, it is a sign of intent. And, you know, I was reading it today. He's still got 18 months on his contract. And, and that's a long time to kind of ship somebody out, whether it's on loan or, or whether it's permanent. But, um, yeah, definitely, yeah, I think, a, a statement of intent from the club as well. Yeah, I think this is obviously the moment or this month in particular where transfer talk is absolutely insane, Rachel. I'm sure obviously you've you know what the football circle's like. It's, it must be absolutely mental this time of year. But when it comes to transfers, in terms of incomings from a Newcastle United point of view, you're a fan as well, as you've mentioned. Who would, what positions would you like to see strengthened, if possible? You know, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a position we need to strengthen, but obviously the whole Madison rumour is like a 10, isn't he? But then we've got Bruno, and you're thinking, God, you can't play anyone over Bruno at the minute. But um, maybe like a, a really out-and-out holding midfielder, um, but that that's being picky. I think the squad we have at the minute is 
probably because we're doing well, you know, you think, oh, you don't need anyone brought in, but you know, the strengthen for competition as well. Um, but yeah, I, I like Madison. I like him as a player. And I think, you know, to bring him in, he might just offer that something a little bit different. Um, you know, that little bit of flair again, that Bruno has, I'm, I'm you know, I'd start Bruno every, every day of the week, but um, yeah, I, I'd probably go maybe someone in midfield just to, you know, if we do get a couple of injuries, which happens in football, you do have that backup. Um, but then you could play, you know, Madison, even Tielemans as well. I think he's probably someone that, um, you know, we're really looking at and there's been a lot of rumours for him, but I think he's probably more, slightly, slightly more defensive than, than Madison. But, um, you know, maybe another winger. The list could go on, but I think, again, looking at the squad we have at the moment, to add to it, um, you know, you're looking at probably the, the slide through, you know, you're looking at Tielemans, Madison, you're looking at specific people. It's not just... When Newcastle were rumoured to everybody in the past, you know, because we could like we wanted just who we could get. Um, but I think, yeah, I like Madison. I really like Madison. I think he could offer that something that a little bit different. Yeah, especially when teams now are coming to St James's Park, where they get up to sixty, sixty-five minutes, and they think, oh, we can get a point now. <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas, like this time, eighteen months ago, it's probably the other way around. We thought well, we can get a point here, but. Do you think maybe that there's something on the horizon because we've not done any business yet? I mean, it's it's, it's the 18th as we record, so it's, it's there's only a couple of weeks left. Do you think they'd be letting Chris Wood go unless they knew they had maybe a deal in the pipeline? I don't think so. And I, and I did think of that today, especially you know years ago when we were fighting relegation, you probably wouldn't have let him go to a club down near the bottom. But I do think now the position we're in, it's probably likely that they have, you know, got an idea or something lined up of, of somebody coming in just because it's offloading someone to, you know, you're thinking to bring somebody in, which is the logic. But um we've been rumoured with a few, haven't we? But I'm I'm sure behind the scenes there's a lot going on and especially with, you know, him going out the door, you'd like to think that someone would come in and replace him quite quickly. Yeah, I think I think that's what a lot of Newcastle fans are talking about. Who's the new striker gonna be? Who's gonna be the man that's comes in as Wilson, Isaac's number two, if you like, or potentially could be a winger that could maybe do what St Maxim's done and be that striker for Newcastle. But you look at some of the players that we've bought since January, you've mentioned them already a couple of times, Bruno Gimmerich. I think every Newcastle fan just absolutely adores him. I think he almost, he's like the little brother or the little your son potentially, that you just, you just can't help but just admire and just love so much. But I think from... I think when he came in at Newcastle, and especially when you watch him on a week by week basis, whether that be in the ground or on television, you just think, "Wow, we've got a hell of a player." And he just—he reminds me of what Jamie—I uh, think it was Jamie Redknapp once said. He's got wing mirrors. He just knows what everything is on a football pitch. I just think he's absolutely amazing. What have you made of Bruno Gimmerich at Newcastle, uh, Rachel? And do you think he's the best signing that Newcastle have made in the Premier League era? I think so. I think Trippy has got to be up there as well. Um, you've got to remember when they both signed, we were down the bottom fighting relegation and Trippy obviously didn't have a clause in his contract to get out. And But I think in a Newcastle shirt for a long time, Bruno's probably got to be up there for me. He's he's a breath of fresh air. He's he's just like, when I watch him, I just think like it would be me putting on a Newcastle shirt. You know, It's like he's a Newcastle fan. He's passionate. He, he, he works hard for the club. And that's all we ask, that as soon as you put on that shirt, you're a grafter, you work hard, you give you everything for the club and, and you'll become a hero. And I, I genuinely think he already is one. He could have you know, a rubbish season for the, the second half of the season. But I think what he's done for us in the last, you know, however many months he's, he's played, it's... Um, 
he's been a breath of fresh air and he's an absolute joy to watch. Some of his passes, you're thinking, like, you know, as a footballer yourself, you're watching it and you're thinking, how's he seen that? Or how's he done that? He's and for such a young a young guy as well, he's he just seems so his his brain is just football, football, football. And I think you can see that when he's on the pitch, he sees passes. He tries to play forward, which I really like. You know, it's 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 safe to just go back sideways. Um, but he, he plays forward, he wants to get us up the pitch. And like I said, I think he's already made himself a hero. Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have seen the game live on Sunday, would you? Because you would have been, you'd have been playing. Yeah. But but like in other games that you do watch live, are you like the rest of us for like if he goes down or something, you're just like, Oh my god, please be okay. Please be okay. because Sunday was horrible because he came off at half time in tears and it was just like on, on Twitter you had a hundred thousand Geordies like offering their ankles for him. It, it's just horrible to watch sometimes. It is, and it's like it's that intake of breath, isn't it? Oh, please get up! God, oh, please get up! Yeah. And I think the scan come back not as bad as hopefully what was feared. So that's really good news. You, you may be looking at weeks rather than months, um, which is a big big plus. You, you need him on. You need him on the team. You need him on the pitch, and I think we're a different team with him without him. And I think he's going to be a big mix for a few weeks. But like I said, you know we've got that depth now, which we didn't we didn't really have kind of last year. So um, he's going to be a big mix for a few weeks. But you know, again, I'm glad it's only weeks, not months, because you know he, he he just adds something that nobody else can add to this team. Yeah, of course, hundred percent agree with everything you're saying there. Um, with I'm not disrespecting Crystal Palace by any stretch of the imagination. And I know it's a big, big game because Newcastle in the top four, which is remarkable, really. Yeah. But there's that little matter, Rachel, that two-legged affair against Southampton in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Sam's giggling like a little school kid. Because no, because... Got Wembley, but we've still got some important matches. No, no, Rachel, truth be told, me and Johnny have booked a hotel to Wembley. Oh, see, I thought about that today. <laughs> I spoke to Fernie I know I keep mentioning that but we're the Geordies in the team and I've, I've been best friends with that for years and I said I says do it is it bad do a jinx and I was I was literally ho- like hugging wood I was like do I do I don't I? and it's funny you mentioned that because we were on about that today we got well, refundable we'll, though yeah <laughs> yeah, <probably best. laughs> yeah we've got semi-flex just to be on the same side but no, yeah. in, in, all, in all seriousness Rachel it's a huge, huge game. Well, it's a huge two games, of course, within uh, the first leg at St. Mary's. It's actually going to be coming out today as in terms of the podcast, but the second leg at St. James's Park on deadline day, of course, it all just adds into something spectacular. Is this the biggest game, as in the two games, the biggest game that Newcastle United have been involved with in a very, very long time, maybe even the FA Cup final in '99? Probably in terms of the magnitude of it all. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know, if you look at again where we've been over the last previous seasons, would never dream of a cup run like this. And I think when just before the draw, I text my brother and I said, We just need to avoid United. Don't get us wrong, the way we're playing at the minute, but United also playing well. I'd I'd take anyone, but ideally you want Southampton or Forest and um Southampton will come out first. Please, please, please. And you know what? I wanted to be away first because I want to take them back to St. James's on that second leg and, and really go for it. And I think as long as we don't get battered in that first leg and we're in the game, whether it's a draw, loss, you know, maybe a 1-0 loss, but going back to St. James's, you'd back us every day of the week. Um, but yeah, magnitude of the game, I think it's got to be up there with the FA Cup final, um, especially again where we've been over the last couple of seasons. It's... It's something just to get excited about for once. And I know we're third in the league and I know that's 
again, an unbelievable spot that we're in. But I think it was Dan Byrne that come out and said he'd he'd take finishing lower to get to a cup final and win a cup. And I, I, I was with him. I really was. And, you know, again, as a fan, looking where we are in the league table, I love it. But would I take seventh, eighth, whatever it may be, to go to a cup final and potentially win it? Absolutely, I would, yeah. Every day of the week and twice <laughs> on Sundays. You can't book a hotel to Wembley. Surely you have a league game that weekend. No, it's actually not league. It's, it's FA Cup, which, don't get us wrong, I want to progress as far as I can in the FA Cup. I'd love to get to a final with Liverpool in the FA Cup. Um, but Yeah, yeah. I, be- I believe you. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a knockout competition, so if we get beat, that is an FA Cup weekend, and we could potentially be free. So, um, yeah, either way, I'll be very happy whether we're progressing the FA Cup of Liverpool, you know, and when we get to the next round, or Newcastle or Touchwood in a final, um, and I get to watch that. So I'll be happy either way. It's a win-win. Yeah, semi yeah, flex, you'll be yeah. fine. I want to talk about Nick Pope from one goalkeeper to another. He's been absolutely extraordinary and he's barely done anything, if we're being honest. Like, and I know that sounds absolutely bizarre as Fagan and Rachel, but in terms of true pieces of business, I don't think many Newcastle fans thought this would be one of the best signings Newcastle have made in the, in the, in the summer, but it certainly has been for probably different reasons. Could you, can you explain from a goalkeeping point of view why Nick Pope is so important to the, the defence in particular, because the defence has been rock solid. You know, most clean sheets this season, we've only conceded 11 goals in the first half of the season, which is absolutely extraordinary. It's, um, you know, when he first signed, I, I knew what kind of calibre of goalkeeper I was. He was decent at Burnley and he was obviously away with England. So if you don't get picked for England, if, if you're not, you know, you've, you haven't got decent pedigree. But when he signed his first couple of games, I thought, oh, he's, he's looking all right. He's looking quite comfortable and, He's just, again, I keep using that, but he's a breath of fresh air. He's been, what he does, he makes it look easy. And I know he's six foot whatever, and it's probably always easy when you're when you're that size to be a goalkeeper. But um, I think consistency as well, especially with the back four, um, you know, having the same goalkeeper behind you always helps. You understand each other, you know, you, you build up relationships. And I think that, that that goes a long way, which probably people from the outside don't really see. You know, you kind of know how each other play. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, if there's any. But um, he, he's been again one of the you know the signings of the season for me, along with Trippier and, and Bruno. I think um, you've got to put all three of them in the same category because Pope might not score every week, but he keeps the ball out the net. I think it's what nine, nine or ten is a clean sheet, maybe eleven. I don't know what it is. In well, yeah. Well, I was going to mention you know a thing or two about clean sheets, especially last season. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> Newcastle aren't really renowned for. Their defensive prowess, their, their, it, it's usually the opposite going forward and um, forgetting about defending. So having, well, what do you make of Cher and Botman as a defensive partnership? Because it's got to be the strongest we've had in the Premier League era. Yeah, I think that excellent. And Botman for such a young lad, I, I've seen him um, loads of things on Twitter. He's just comparing it to a Rolls-Royce and he is. He's exactly that. He's, again, a bit like Pope. He makes things look very, very easy. Um, again, in the past, you know, we've had partnerships that you've had one of them that's up there, but you've had the other one who, who's not quite as, as good. But I think these two, for me, it, they've got to be up there with, with the best partnerships in a long, long time. Um, and again, Pope behind them maybe helps, you know, that understanding. Um 
but for me, Botman at the minute is is playing unbelievable. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's he, he is he's compared to a Rolls Royce, but rightly so. He makes everything look easy, and I think at that level for such a young lad, um, he, he could have maybe maybe drowned a little bit. You know, St James's Park is you know you know what's like the atmosphere and stuff. People can either sink or swim, um, but he, he swam and he's been absolutely fantastic. And I think the keeper on your back, you know, your, your Spain, your team is is really really important. And I think them two have been a big big reason as to why you know we've kept them clean sheets and we don't look like conceding. If I'm honest, no, we really don't. I, I, even even on Sunday against Fulham, I know Mitrovic turned into a Geordie for Aye. a few seconds for that penalty. That was brilliant. But apart from that moment, really, I can't remember going, oh, we're going to concede now because mm-hmm. we just look so solid. It's absolutely brilliant to see. It's not. It's just weird talking about Newcastle having a good defence. Like I know we've, always had, we've had good goalkeepers over the years and we might touch about Newcastle goalkeepers from yesteryear because I've got a question about that later on. But yeah, it's just it's just fantastic to, to watch at the minute. Um, Eddie Howe, it's just getting a tune out of everybody. The fans, the players, the milkman, everybody. He just seems to be getting a tune out of everybody right now. But I don't think, and I think if I'm being honest for all Newcastle fans, if we said when he arrived at Newcastle, he would have kept us up very, very comfortably, very, very comfortably, played an attacking style of football, got the best out of certain players that weren't performing under the previous manager, mm-hmm. and was sitting at the minute third in the Premier League. I don't think anybody would have believed that. So, I think my question is, if anyhow either delivers a trophy for Newcastle or keeps Newcastle in the top four at the end of the season, regardless of who wins the league, Rachel, do you think Eddie Howe deserves manager of the season? Absolutely. Give the man a knighthood if it was up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I was I was talking, I think, to my brother the other day and I said that the squad, you know, give or take the four or five signings we've made, like the, the whole squad is, you know, he, he thinks like a Joe Linton, and Almiron, who Joe Linton was probably one of the worst forty millions pounds I've ever spent, but now he's just he's transformed him. And, and I said it's so funny how they're the same players, but they can just a different manager can just get so much more out of a player. And I think you've seen it at Bournemouth a little bit with Eddie Howe. And I think I thought when he got rumoured to come, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'd, I'd like him. A young manager did really well with Bournemouth. Um, I'd, you know, when he speaks on the telly, he speaks very well. He comes across like a lovely, genuine man. Um, and when he first got announced, I thought, oh, I'm happy with it. Yeah. And then, you know, the way he's got we're playing, attacking front-footed football, it's just, it's a delight to see. And I think, again, you've, you've got to compare it to the season before under Bruce and all that. And it's because it's the only thing you can really compare it to because it's it's literally, you know, chalk and cheese. But um, I, I like him. He comes across well. I feel like when the players speak about him, they speak very highly of him. Um, and I think, you know, you, you're working with that man every day. And I think, and, you know, if people didn't want to say that, they wouldn't say it. But I've heard very good things about him um, from other people as well. You know, we've got a coach at Liverpool who used to coach at Newcastle, Maka. Um, you know, he speaks, he still speaks to people there. And, you know, he spoke very highly of. Um, but he's come in and he's he's just got people working hard for him, which I said before is a given in a Newcastle shirt. You know, as soon as you pull that shirt on, you've got the graft. And it's not just that we're playing attractive football you know when when have a Newcastle team ever played attractive football unless it was years and years ago but um it's lovely to see and it, you know the likes of Joe Linton who I'll openly say that I thought he was probably one of the worst signings Newcastle have ever made back back when but um yeah now he's 
he's the first name on the team sheet for me, Joe Linden. He's fantastic. And Almiron as well. He's got to be up there who, you know, Steve Bruce wasn't quite getting the best out of. Um, but for some strange reason, Eddie Howe is is literally lifting every single one of them up and, and long may it continue. Yeah, it, it, it's been incredible because... Like the whilst the first team's great, I think the the game against Sheffield Wednesday highlighted that the squad in whole isn't really there yet. So what Eddie Howe's doing to get the full maximum out of that squad at the moment, absolutely incredible. Um, just to just to touch back on on Nick Pope because I want to highlight probably the only mistake he's made all season, um, and it came at Anfield. And was I'm right in saying that when you met Amanda, was that the the night we lost two yes. one? Our our only loss in the last season. minute. Yeah. So you're watching that game, Liverpool player, but Newcastle United fan. And uh, Johnny, we spoke about it because we were both in the away end that night, mm-hmm. um, singing songs at uh, Rio Ferdinand and and Shea Given. Um, what did you make? Because the, the the cross came over, and it was what something that we we highlighted uh, with our post match analysis that the goalkeeper should be just clearing everyone out of the way and just claiming that ball just before the goal. Do you remember that? What did you make of that at the time? We how how do you how do you watch that as well as a Liverpool player and a Newcastle fan? I think um, I'm a Liverpool women's player, and um, <laughs> don't get I go I go and watch the men. Um, and I want them to do well for our sake um, because, you know, the men are very good to us and, um, you know, as we're just under one umbrella. And when the men are doing well, you know, so so do we kind of thing. Um, that's just how it works. And uh, But that night I, was, I wasn't I was a Liverpool player, I was a Newcastle fan. Um, and I remember it and I think at the time I thought, again, I turned to Fernie, we'll, we'll go everywhere together. I mean, Fernie sounds like, doesn't it? But, um, I've turned my gun. Why is Pope not doing that? And and I've why is he not going? Why is he not? You know. But then you think the state of the game, and you think this is once I've settled down and absolutely like you know cried over the loss. And <laughs> I've said like you know you're watching it back, thinking at the time adrenaline's pumping. And I actually had a similar incident at the weekend where I could have come out punched and cleared everybody, as well as the ball. But I think the body's in front of him. You don't know where it's going to land. He's maybe not gone because he's thinking, right, well, I've got time to react. And it's hard because I think as a goalkeeper in that split, you literally have a split second to make a decision. And once you've made a decision, that is it. And I think if he had come and cleared it and it's landed to a Liverpool player and it's gone in, everyone says, why didn't he just stay on his line? But then you think vice versa. It's hard. You've got a split second to make a decision, but once you do it, you've got to stick with it. And I think he did. And... I, I don't know. I think it, it, there's there's not a right or wrong. I don't know if he, you know, he sh- there was a hundred. Oh God, he's got to come for that. Don't get us wrong. There was a bit of hate on the ball, and I think he's probably had time to come and to come and get it, um, or get rid of it. But um, it's a hard one because of the state of the game, and you know, like I said, you've got a split second to make a decision. But he's more than redeemed himself, I think, hasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seriously nitpicking because <laughs> yeah, but it, it it still stings a bit that one. It does, and I think everyone in the box around us stood up, and you'd expect us to because we're Liverpool players, and you know we're there to support Liverpool. But that night, while they were playing Newcastle, and me and Fernie just sat there with our arms crossed, and there was a bloke in the executive box, and he said, um, "Newcastle fans," and I said, "What made you think that?" And I, <laughs> but they were just bantering, you know, they weren't having a go or anything. But um, 
yeah, that night I was a Newcastle fan and I was absolutely gutted. Yeah. I'm not going to mention it much more, but all I will say is it was funny because obviously Liverpool and Newcastle have had memorable games over the years. And I think in the 90s, of course, there were two, four, three last minute winners. And obviously we experienced that last minute winner, not four, three, but uh, in August. But I remember coming out of the game, obviously me and Sam and uh, Lee, who was also part of Newcastle fans, TV walking out. And I just remember seeing Steve Watson, obviously the former Newcastle United defender, and I was so tempted to say to him, I, said, I, was, I was so tempted to say, at least it wasn't 4-3. But I don't think you could have said anything that night. I don't think it would have worked, but it is one of those things. I want to talk a little bit about you, Rachel, if that's okay. And obviously, the fact that you are a WSL goalkeeper. It's been a bit of a whirlwind in terms of the last few months or so. Of course, you're part of the team that gained promotion last season, got the Golden Glove. That must have been something extraordinary so special to get that honor because i think everyone talks about goal scoring and obviously goals win games of course they do but to win the golden glove in a very very competitive division you must be very proud of yourself yeah and i'm i'm always quick to deflect saying you know it's it's not just me i'm i'm there to make them last last dish saves if i have to um but the girls in front of me were excellent last season and you know it was a league that we were in for two seasons and the first season we probably took it a little bit for granted and um, we probably thought we were going to walk it if I'm honest Um that didn't come out of our mouths but I think a lot of people thought it Um just you know we wear the Liverpool badge on our chest and it doesn't make us entitled but I think a few people did think that Um, you know we we found out the hard way that it, it wasn't an easy league and the championship's very very competitive Um but yeah, last season we were a different team, Matt Baird come in um, free second spell at the club um, and I've worked with Matt before and he was excellent, you know, he, he changed the standards, he lifted us all up. Um, it was an environment where you wanted to work hard for each other as well as him. And I think that showed on the pitch. And I think in the end, we we won it quite comfortably. It wasn't obviously comfortable until we won it. But I think we won it by about 11 points in the end. But the girls were, I got players playing. I think the girls really realised how important kind of I was in that team. And again, I'm, I'm very quick to deflect. I, I, I voted for obviously someone else. I can't vote for myself. Um <laughs> But it's, you know, it, it was probably one of the best seasons I've had um, playing football. Obviously, I went to Redden the year before and, and didn't really play and I needed a new fresh challenge. And I knew Liverpool had got relegated and I still wanted to join just because I wanted to go and join me football and I knew I would there. Um, and it showed, it showed on the pitch in that second season. And I think, you know, like I said, it, it's not just me, but it's a collective effort. But I'm the one that picks up the Golden Glove at the end. And yes, I made a few saves, but the girls in front of me were just as good. So... How are you adapting from Championship to WSL? Because it's a big jump because there's some teams in the WSL that are, in relative terms for women's football, splashing the cash a bit, and that's only going to increase over time. So a clean sheet is is quite hard-earned in the WSL that nowadays, isn't it? It is, and I think we've only kept one, uh, which proves how, how difficult it is. Um, but, you know, we were under no illusion that it was going to be tough. It's a very tough league, and... The last time we were in it, it was tough then. So two years later, and we've missed that two years. And we knew it was going to be even more competitive. You know, a lot of teams have invested. And like you said, Sam, that's the way it's going. You know, it's it, it, and it's only going to go that way. And I think it's shown by the crowds. It's shown by the signings people are making. A lot of people from, you know, the USA, Australia, they're now coming to our league because our league is classed as one of the best in the world. And I think, you know, that's credit to the FA and the way they're pushing the game. 
And obviously the Euros winning the summer helped absolutely massively. And I think you, you can't underestimate what them, them girls did in the summer in an England shirt. And I think it's, you know, it's transferred over the domestic game and which is, is fantastic for us. I, I did nothing over the summer, but it's, you know, it's, it's helping me now in, in the WSL, but it's just attendances and everything, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's the, it's still in the early stages, you know, of, of being professional and, and, you know, being a professional league and, but it, it's going in the right direction. Um, and I think back to like 2012 when the girls did well at the Olympics in London and, you know, it, it kind of spiraled from then, but from last summer, it really, really kicked on. And I think that's credit to, you know, them England girls and, and the effort they put in over the summer, but it's going in the right direction. It's, it's kind of a, like a slow burner, but I think, you know, it's, it's not going to go from zero to a hundred overnight, but um, it was a big, big jump to come into WSL. But one, you know, again, we're under no illusion that we are just there to stay in the league at the moment, you know, that that's our first season. Um, and I think, you know, pushing on, hopefully we stay in the league this season and then we can build, you know, and we can, we've signed a couple of people now in the, in the transfer window. And I think, I think we're done now. I don't think we're signing any more and they're strengthening the team. And I think, that's for, that's for the future, you know. Again, it's for now, you know, and you know, obviously team competition, but it's for the future as well. You've got to think of the bigger picture, and I think Liverpool are doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough, tough league. But yeah, we're up for the fight, and you know, bring on the next couple of games. Even though next one's Chelsea. Well, yeah, well, you've got Chelsea in the league, and obviously Chelsea in the FA Cup as well. So <laughs> I know you'd be wanting Liverpool to win both of those games because we've talked about the FA Cup being a really, really significant competition for Liverpool as well. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, I have to ask you one question about the fact that it's on Sky now, and it has been obviously last season as well. The coverage is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. At the start of the season, did you feel, oh my goodness, there's going to be so many more people watching me? Did you do you feel? Nervous, excited going into games that you know, especially when they're on when it's on television as well. Or do you just kind of block it all out? I think our first game on telly, I, I think it was on Sky, was Chelsea first game, um, and we we beat them two one. And I think we're admitted that we probably peaked too early, um, <laughs> because of the run we went on after that. But um, you know, when you're on the pitch, when you cross that white line, you forget about the telly and you forget, you know, there's cameras all around, but you're concentrating on the game. Even the fans that are there, you you almost zone them out. Um, you know, people say, oh, did he hear this? Did he hear I'm like, no, no, I didn't. And um, it's obviously great for the game. Um, and at the start of the season, when we were doing kind of all our promos and stuff, like we did the walk on Sky where you cross your arms. Like, What's going on? Yeah, but... Um, it was one of those moments like where it was, I know it was on Sky Sports the year before, but it was like, wow, I'm a part of this and the game's going and, you know, getting a lot bigger and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to be on, on Sky Sports, like just me, like, and um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that added little pressure when you're on Sky Sports because you know that a lot more people are going to be watching. Uh, we've been on BBC for the last, well, last week against Man United and then we're on it again this Sunday. So, you know, that's, that's an even bigger audience, you know, BBC. And I think um, it it does add that little bit more pressure. But I think once you cross that white line and you're in the game, you, you do forget. Um, but I think that's that's probably a good thing because I think going back to when we played Everton at Anfield, I think, uh, you know, don't get us wrong, it was a derby and it was a men's ground um, that a lot of players haven't played at um, in front of, you know, over 20,000. And I think um, that was a little bit too much, you know, the jump from... Three, four, five thousand watching us at Prenton Park to twenty or thousand in a derby on Sky Sports at Anfield um, was a little bit too much of a jump for some people, 
But me personally, when I cross that white line, I forget if I'm on Sky, BBC, or just the FA player. It's it's just another game. But um, yeah, it's 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 absolutely nuts to think we're on Sky Sport. Starting out, um, our women's team had well, it, it, it was neither here nor there, was it? It wasn't anything serious, especially if you wanted to to progress in football. Um, how much of, of a not, not a blow? But how difficult was it? Because the only option really was to go to Sunderland, which you did. And as a as a staunch Newcastle fan, how difficult is that? It was hard at the time. Um, and I think when I first started playing, I was actually just playing for the school team and the county team. And the Sunderland scout was there. And it didn't even cross my mind that I was ever going to play for Sunderland or it was ever going to be an option to go to Sunderland. And I think afterwards, he went and spoke to me mum. My mum took us everywhere and went and spoke to me mum. And he said, oh, we'd like to come to trials. And I remember I telling us, I was like, but mum, it's Sunderland. Like, I don't want to go kind of thing. I was like, Sunderland, nah. And um, she had a really good opportunity and they sent letters in the post, kind of what it entailed and things like that. And I said to me mum, look, I'll give it a go, but I can't see it kind of working out kind of thing. Obviously, with no idea at the time. And um so anyway, went, really enjoyed it. A few of my friends went along as well, which helped. Um, I classed it as more of a social thing than anything else because of because it was Sunderland. Um, but ended up going from the centre of excellence to the reserves to the first team. And I think I was 15 when I made my debut for the first team. Um, back when it was literally like we paid to play. It wasn't even, you know, we were getting part-time nothing. It was literally we trained twice a week at probably 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock. Um and we had to pay subs to play, which didn't mind. You know, it was a hobby I loved to do. Um, and again, me, me mum was great in that. No, it was no issue. It was paid there and then. But um, yeah, good. It, I think once I got my head around it, it was, it, it was, I was okay because my friends were there as well. And like I said, I was going to spend time with them and do something I enjoy. And the badge almost didn't really matter. Um, but then obviously it got to kind of a point where it got a little bit more serious. Um, and we ended up going full time, I think, wasn't it? 2024 no it wasn't 2014 sorry not 2024 uh, it's not even 2024 yet. yeah I'll look forward to that next year <laughs> yeah, yeah bring it on um, but and I think you know that was when I, I'd been at Sunderland a long time then you know playing you know just as a hobby and I always kept an eye on Newcastle and what Newcastle women were doing but um, they were never quite there or as advanced as, as Sunderland and I think the choice was quite easy in the end if I'm honest you know to stay at Sunderland um and, and I don't like to admit that because it would be Newcastle every single day of the week but the state their women's team were in and the investment that Newcastle were making was was pretty non-existent and um, whereas Sunderland were, were kind of quite a few years ahead of that um so I think we went pro in 2014 or 2015 um and then kind of Newcastle women start to invest a little bit more and they coming up the leagues and we we had a few girls come over from Newcastle. Again, Fernie, one of my best friends, is one of them. She was kind of back and forwards for a couple of years. Um, and then Sunderland really took off and they really started to kind of take over. And um, we I think we signed about four or five in one season from, from Newcastle. And that's when Newcastle kind of went the other way and Sunderland kind of started to be on the rise. And it's as hard a decision as it was, you know, being a Newcastle fan, for footballing wise, it was quite an easy decision just because, you know, they were they were where I wanted to be. They were, you know, ambitions to go Super League and stuff like that. So um me and Fernie got some stick, got some real stick, our fans on Twitter, everything. And but we said, look, when we cross the line, we're a Sunderland player and we play for Sunderland. But 
as soon as I cross that white line going the other way, I'm a Newcastle fan. And, and we always <laughs> admitted it. If we ever got asked in interviews, it was always, who do you support? Newcastle. And we never, ever hid the fact. Just because we're so proud. We're so proud to, to be a Newcastle fan. And I think if we had lied about it, we probably would have got a lot more stick. Um, but it was, you know, fo- as a footballing decision, it was quite an easy one. Um, but for me, heart in Newcastle, it was quite a difficult one. Yeah, well said. Well said, because I know that must have been very, very difficult at times, but well said. Um, obviously, Newcastle United women, it's, it's transformed, really, especially in the last couple of years, again, with the new ownership in particular. Record attendances at St. James's Park, first time against Anik Town Ladies, where 22,000 went to watch that game. Unfortunately, even though Newcastle won the game, they missed out on promotion to Liverpool Feds, believe it or not, <laughs> which is just down the road from probably where you are. Um, but obviously this season in the FA Cup, I think it was just under 30,000. And when Newcastle mm-hmm. by two goals, one against Barnsley, two absolute worldies, unbelievable goals, um, which was, it was incredible, really, really good. I think the question would, would, would be rude not to ask, Rachel. I know you're a big admirer of Newcastle United in every department. And I know you must be really, really happy playing for Liverpool right now in the WSL. But one day, just one day, if the offer came to go to Newcastle United, would you try and take it with both hands? Absolutely. And I don't even have to hesitate. It's it's one of them where, imagine being a Newcastle fan and walking out of St. James's Park. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's I'm just, I'm really glad that owners have come in and really invested in the women's team because the women's game in general is... It's only going in one direction. And I think under Ashley, it was never, ever, ever invested in. He probably didn't even know we had a women's team. Um, and it's it's one of those where I play for Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool player and I love it. I, lo- I love the club. It's like a second home. It really is. But um, if my contract runs out and Newcastle United come knocking, there's no hesitation for me. None at all. I love that. Do you like since now like the the, the women's team are getting more attention, more focus? Do you pay attention to the results? Do you do you look at kind of little highlights here and there? Do you do you know the players because they've got a Rolls Royce centre back of their own in Charlotte Potts? You know Georgia Gibson, different gravy as a number ten. Katie Barker fires and goals for fun. Do you pay attention to the to the women's team and how they're getting on? I do. I follow them on Twitter and I know a few of the girls, uh, not well. Um, Georgia Gibson used to go to college with her. She was a couple of years younger than me. Um, and she's been banging them in for fun. Um, and she scored one of the worldies at, at the St. James. So, um, Katie Barker, I used to play at Sunderland. Um, really good, really good forward. Busy, knows where the goal is. Um, and Potty, I've played with Potty at Sunderland for a number of years as well. And it's it's good to see her back back in the northeast playing for Newcastle. Um, but I do, I, fo- I follow the results. You know, I follow them all on Twitter and Instagram and things like that. And um, it, it's nice to see them doing well. And when they just got pipped at the post against the feds, uh, I was gutted. I thought, oh, this was it. This was kind of where they were going to go and, and really, really go from league to league. But I think they'll get there. There's no doubt about it. They'll get there. And I think, you know, the likes of signing of Potsy and things like that, it shows real intent. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, as bad as it sounds, no one would have probably wanted to sign for Newcastle women just because mm. of the state it was in and, and, and how it was. And, but you know, with Amanda coming in and murder, they've been absolutely fantastic, and you can re- you can see that, you know, they're really really pushing the women's team. Played at St James's for the first time, it, it, that that's a big statement in itself. Yeah. Um, 
but it's it's really nice to see them doing well and you know hopefully this season they can they can just do that one better and, and go up and that that first day at St James against Annick, like me and Johnny were there, and like we both said afterwards, I, I said in particular, it was one of my most favourite days at St James's Park. Like men's team, women's team, whatever, it was just brilliant. It really was. It's it's funny because a lot of people go to women's games, and like for the first time, admittedly, a lot of people are open about it and. They're really, really shocked by like the atmosphere and stuff like that. Obviously, don't get us wrong. At St James's, there's a lot of people there. The atmosphere is probably a lot better. Um, but it, it's it's going in the right direction. I think, you know, like yourselves and touching back on the Euros in the summer, there was groups of lads going to games, which you'd never, ever it, it, go to a women's game. It was unheard of. It was family, you know, parents with kids, young kids, young girls. But now it's, you know, people get an actual pleasant shock. When they say oh, I've been to women's game, oh, I really enjoyed it. Oh, did you? Like I could have taught you that a long time ago, but it's um, it's nice to hear because that that's what we kind of want from people going to games. We want people to enjoy it, and we want you to want to go back. And I think that always helps. Well, certainly, certainly will. Lee, I have to give Lee a big shout because Lee has been following the women's team. Pretty- oh, he loves it, doesn't he? I do. Yeah, yeah he's been. I would say he's been following the team. Probably well, Newcastle fans TV has been going about five and a half years, and probably we were the only ones. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Like, uh, he, he, he's, he's trying to give them a little bit of publicity because not many people were at the time. But obviously, everybody's helping out now, which is absolutely amazing to see. Uh, but it's going to be tight this year as well. Obviously, with everything that's going on, there's a few teams battling out. Durham, Liverpool, uh, I was going to say Liverpool. That's right, but Durham, Leeds is what I was meant to say. Mm-hmm. Middlesbrough around as well so it's going to be very very difficult. Um, I've got three quick fire questions and then one big question at the end as well for you. So. Shay Given or Nick Pope is my first one. Oh, can't do that. Oh, I can. <laughs> oh, you can't say we don't ask the big questions now. After last week, we were talking about traffic and travel. <laughs> I'll go Shay Given. He's, he's all, yeah. If I ever get asked a question, would Newcastle goalkeeper? I always say Shay Given, so I'm going to have to stick with him. Yeah. God, he was good. <laughs> That's a terrible question, man. Do, well, yeah, do you know what it is, right? Uh, over the uh, over the last few episodes, I've been having that's a good question, that's a great question, and now I've had a, that's a terrible question. So I'm not, not sure Sam might get that one up as well. No, I'll touch it later on. Um, top four or Carabao Cup? Oh, Carabao Cup. Got to. Hundred percent. I think everybody will cry to be honest if, if we were oh. self included. Yeah. I think I'll retire from life if we're in the car. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, my final question, it's not a quick fire one, but um what is your proudest moment of your career so far, Rachel? Um can I say two? Of course. Um the first one which always sticks out is um getting promoted from the championship to WSL with Sunderland in my first year. It, not my first year, my first year of trying. Uh we applied for Super League, didn't get it. Everyone I've got a point to prove and there weren't only my teammates, there were my family because we'd been together so long. And to do it with that group of people who, like I said, that that my second family they really are and was such a tight knit group and to do it with them after being literally down in the gutter because we really thought we we're going to get WSL status, we did. Um, and I remember Mick coming, oh, look, we're not winning the championship. I says, right, come on. And we could have went one way or the other and, and we ended up, you know, winning the game 4-0 at Millwall to secure 
to secure promotion, but it wasn't so much winning the championship at that time to go to WSL. It was the people I did it with. Um, just because, you know, now they're really, really close friends of mine and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but my second one is winning the league with Liverpool as well. Um, you know, after my first spell back in 2013 with them and winning the Super League. Um, and I was just on loan from Sunderland at the time. And I really wanted to come back and, you know, prove a point and, and win something with that team again. You know, you know, personnel were obviously a lot different. But um, again, the girls I've met at Liverpool are now like a family. We were very last last year. We were a very close knit group, um, and after being kind of, you know, maybe too big for our boots the year before in the championship, we really knuckled down, sorted out what we needed to sort out, and I'd I'd say because the championship at the time was very very competitive, um, whereas back when Sunderland won it, you know, we we probably should have been up there and winning it. Whereas with Liverpool last season, it was a lot more competitive. It was a harder league to get out of, and I think the way we did it in the end, um, you know, was was credit to us as a as a whole group, staff included. But it would, I'd probably have to say them too, yeah. Yeah, two amazing moments. I'm sure you look back on with so much fondness as well. But Rachel, it has been an absolute pleasure. Really, really enjoyed this episode, and I'll, I always always say good luck to anybody else competing, and I will as well, even if it is Liverpool, because. <laughs> Thank We'd you. like to see you do very, very well, as long as you don't play Newcastle, which I know it won't happen, unfortunately, Newcastle are out of the FA Cup. But um, as long as if Newcastle women can get promoted and, and Liverpool do well with you in goal, I'm sure a lot of Newcastle United fans will be very, very happy indeed. Um, Sam, where can everybody listen to this podcast? The links are all in the description and you can subscribe to the audio podcast where you can find all the other previous episodes with Newcastle legends, some of the women's team as well and broadcasters and a lot of great Newcastle United loving people. And I will be clipping up the bit, uh, Rachel, where you said you'd sign for Newcastle and I will send it on to Becky Langley. I hope Grace Donnelly's not listening to this, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Grace can stay. I've played with Grace in the past. Grace is great. She can stay. <laughs> Fighting out with teenies to see will be the number one for Newcastle. That'd be great news all around. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> From myself, Jonathan Greenwood, my co-host, Sam Muller, and today's guest, Rachel Laws. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV.